Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. Those of you who are with us online, man, thank you so much as well. Hey, guys, can we give it a hand, uh, up a hand for those guys right there joining us at home? Thank you for being here. You know, you ever get to a point in your life where um, something that you used to love, something that you used to be passionate about, ha- had energy for, time for, and now you don't care as much about Anybody ever have this happen to you, right? right? For me, that's exercise in any form right now. Anybody with me on this? Yeah, yeah. You know, three, uh, I don't know, three, three and a half years ago, I was really concentrating on my physical health and and the things that I love to do most are to swim uh, for distance, uh, long-distance swimming. And I know you're like, really? Look at you, man. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And then this, this was my, uh, this was my pride and my joy, my, my bike. I used to love to come home after work and grab my bike, put my helmet on, ride. We have about, I don't know, 70 miles of paved trail in San Antonio. Those of you who are not from San Antonio, we have these, um, this amazing trail system and um, alongside the trail, which is paved, are single tracks for mountain bikes. And, man, that's my favorite to drive, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 miles even uh, on, on those and to ride. And, and so I, I was always dreaming about my bike, what stuff I could add to it, dreaming about a better bike. And then one day I was riding with a, a nameless bass player here at LifePoint who also is a doctor. Uh, just throwing that out there. I'm gonna call, not going to name names. Uh, and, and I was riding on his turf. He's like, come ride in my area. And I went ride, and he was supposed to call out all the signals. Uh, he's going to remain unnamed. But uh, anyways, he didn't call out a certain signal, took a sharp left, which happened to be a big hill. And I didn't make it up that hill. And I fell and crashed hard. And it wasn't a, like a, a great crash, like, like a proud of crash. It was like a, a shame crash. Like, like it was so slow in motion. And I just felt it happening. And I was trying to turn and get my foot off because I was clipped into my bike, trying to get my leg off, flip over before I fell that way. And as I was falling, my leg caught in a tree. And as I kept falling, my, my, my body rotated, but my knee did not rotate. And pow, you know, one of those good noises that you like to hear when you fall down in the dirt. And so as I'm laying there going, bro, help, you know, he's like, he's just staring at me. He's like, bro, how did that happen? And he's just, and I'm bleeding, and, and my knee is, literally my tree is caught, my, my tree, my, my leg, it's the size of a tree, is caught in, in, in a tree. And he's just looking at it going, how did that happen? And he left me, he, he, got, he helped me get my foot down, and he hopped on his bike and left me. And I was in the woods, and I didn't know where I was. My knee didn't work. And so uh, it, it, was, um, it was a lot of pain. There, there's no bitterness uh, at all, um, at all. It hurt like the devil. And it took me um, several months uh, of, of therapy to get my knee right again. And a funny thing happened during those several months is that I lost my enthusiasm for riding, and then plus my bike was jacked up, the back wheel was bent out of shape, and, and, and then I needed to put it in the shop, and that was going to cost money, and, and it was going to, you know, it was like, you know, excuse after excuse, and yada, 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 and so now I'm kind of, eh, towards riding, as you can tell, because the bike's tires are flat, and there are cobwebs in the tires, like, even, not only am I too lazy to ride this bike, even the spiders are too lazy to, like, climb up and and they're making spiders in the wet, the tires. There's like, sp- anyways, uh, you can't see that, so I don't know why I'm even doing that. Um, 
And, and so now my bike stays in the office in over there as a, as a it, what was supposed to be a, a reminder of how I used to like it. It's now just a, a moment of shame for me every day I look at it. Um, and, and, and my bike looks like this, and it's just flat. And, 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 and now my excuse is that the tires are flat because I put it in the shop. I got it out. I rode one time around the field over here. We have some baby, um, we have some baby uh, mesquite trees that are trying to grow, and they put out big thorns so the deer won't eat them, and they popped all my tires. And so now my excuse for not riding to my wife is, that, well, the tires are flat, and I'm going to ride again someday, but the tires, you know, the tires, it's really easy to fix. Just not today. The, the bottom line as it relates for me and exercise and certainly cycling on this bike is that I become apathetic about riding. Right? If I wasn't apathetic, I would have this bike fixed and I'd be riding it. And I know it's good for me. I know that exercise is not just for your physical body. It, it helps your mental life. It helps your work life. But right now I've just gone, grown comfortably numb staring at this bike day in and day out in my office. And I was very passionate about it, and though now I'm not, I'm not so much. So I want to talk about apathy today. This is one of the messages where I will preach, you know, I don't know, a few of these per year, that if you're a guest with us today, or if you're new to faith, or if you're still checking out faith, and you're not sure about it, this one may not relate as much, and I, I, I'm going to apologize in advance. This is really for, for people who would say, that guy's my pastor, and I want to hear what he has to say, okay? It's not always the easiest thing to, to hear everything that comes out. And you're like, that's every week, bro, to hear what comes out of your mouth. Right? But, but today, I think apathy is a less, we don't talk about it much. Like the, by the way, the cedar pollen's so bad, I brought my, my inhaler up here with me. Uh, anybody with me on this, right? Um, apathy's bad in all parts of our lives. Like you can get apathetic about your job, yes or no, right? Like I don't really like this job anymore. You can get apathetic about relationships. You can get apathetic about all sorts of things. But because I'm a pastor, I'm going to lean into us about spiritual apathy. Apathy is a lack of feeling or concern. You know this, right? Or it's the loss of passion or energy around something and I would just sort of add to that that you used to have passion, enthusiasm for. And the reason I started with this story about my bike is I think it's a perfect metaphor for many of our spiritual stories uh, right now. Like perhaps you can remember a season where you were sort of fired up about faith, about God, about worship, about God's house, about the Bible, uh, about maybe even sharing your faith when something happened. Maybe it was a disruption for me. It was a disruption in the form of a crash and an injury. Maybe there was a disruption in your life, in your health, in one of your key relationships. Maybe it was an injury of some kind, like um, emotionally. Maybe it was the loss of somebody that you love so much. And maybe, maybe it was just this pandemic um, that has gotten you off, of, off track in, in your spiritual life. And, may, and maybe where you used to be more fired up, maybe you're more like I am now around cycling where it's like, eh. And, 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 and I'll get back to it someday, but, but excuses come up and disruptions happen. And you think about what's involved about getting sort of back to the place that you were spiritually. And it's like, that's a lot of work. I'm about to get up. I'm about to go. I'm about to saw, serve or whatever. Someday, just not right now. And, and here's the thing about this. When we lose passion for one thing, what, what will happen in my life, and I'm sure it's true of yours, is that will will find an, an, a replacement for it, right? So before this bike, <clears throat> my wife will tell you, I had to have a kayak. Um, and I wanted a kayak because I wanted to build my upper body strength, you know, because I was cycling. 
Um, but, you know, you need to row, and, it's gonna, and, and, and I did that for a while. And now it's on the side of the house gathering more cobwebs. Can I get a witness for someone who are ADD about things in life? And before that kayak, I wanted to be a road cyclist. You know, wear this horrible shorts that no man should put themselves into, especially a man who looks like me. Like you're like, gah, what is that? As you're driving down the road, that was me, that was me. You know, like I'm going to ride to Corpus and back. I had this imagination. I'm going to ride to Corpus. I didn't, bear, I, made it out, I didn't make it out of Alamo Ranch. Come on. But it's a big neighborhood. Come on, give me. Right. This is fine if you are sort of erratic with, with your hobbies or even your career. But, but what if we're talking about our faith, about our spiritual lives? See, now we're talking about eternal things. And I need to be clear that me not being about, fired up about cycling right now isn't very great. But it's not nearly as big a deal as you or I being apathetic about our faith and about our relationship with God and God's house and God's, God's purposes for our lives. In fact, I think one of the great spiritual dangers in life, one of the great enemies of spiritual life, and to take it another step further, one of, the great, one of the, our spiritual enemies' greatest joys in our lives is for us to give in to apathy and to, <clears throat> to disruptions the way we've had and just go, okay, this is the way it's going to be. This is my new normal. Where we get to a place where we'd say, I don't care as much as, as I used to. Where there was spiritual joy, excitement, passion, now there is maybe a level of boredom or disinterest. And life can sometimes steal our passions and our excitements, and we can become cynical and even indifferent at times. But here's what I would say to you. We can't afford to stay that way. We can't afford to stay that way. Because apathy can be a seasonal thing, or it can become, if we're not careful, it can become a place of existence. It's a place of, of surviving spiritually rather than sort of thriving spiritually. It's like, like I'm sort of hanging in there rather than I'm kind of reaching out for the next height. Uh, I'm up for the next challenge or like Paul, I'm pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's kind of like spiritual sleepwalking. And, and the problem is not so much for most of us that we're sinning, it's that we're not living at the level that God has purposed and designed for us, like spiritually, we're, I'm going to use this as two words, we're disappointing God. Not that we're so much disappointing God, although that could be the case as well. It's that we're missing the appointments that God says he has for us, Ephesians 2, right, that he appointed for us long ages ago, the Bible says. There are certain appointments and assignments that every believer has, and when we let apathy set in, we are we are, I promise you, we are destined to miss appointments, to disappointments. Does that make sense? And for some of us, the problem is that we're entirely too distracted on what, on, from, from what really matters in life. We are preoccupied. We have energy. We have passion for lesser things rather than being intensely focused for, for the things that matter most. And in those areas that matter most, we are not living with hearts alive and passionate for eternal things. So apathy is the absence of or the suppression of emotion and passion and energy towards things. Complacency, it's like it's twin, uh, ugly sibling, right, is, com- is, is not the same, it's similar, but it's, it's, a, it's a level of satisfaction. Like, I've done enough now. I've prayed enough now. 
I've, 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 I've learned enough about God and his word and I'm satisfied and I'm going to rest now on my laurels. Um, does that make sense? Like, like apathy is, it's missing. Complacency is, it's, I don't really care that much. I'm okay with where I'm at. And each of these sentiments are a, di- a bit different, but they have the same effect over time as the slow destruction of the spiritual heart. They are key indicators of spiritual heart disease, if I can use it that way. So, so I just want to ask you, and, and if this message is for nobody, it's for me, okay? But I want to ask you, if, if this, any of this relates, have you become apathetic in your life? And, and, and how about specifically in your relationship with God, our disappointments that you've experienced, our challenges or loss or the daily grind of life, are they replacing what used to be passionate, heartfelt, emotional, vibrant relationship with God? There's a quote that says, apathy comes before calamity. And it's a secular quote. It's not a spiritual quote. It's talking about like when people who are surgeons or firemen and women or first responders or soldiers, they get apathetic in their, their lives, then danger is ahead. Calamities ahead. And apathy and complacency are perhaps the most destructive heart, spiritual heart conditions of all because we don't even realize. They, they are insidious. They are subtle. They sneak in and, and we don't even realize the links that we've gone and moved away from, from God. And here's the really scary part for me as a pastor. And I'm, I mean for myself, but also as a pastor for people that I love and admire is that when people realize they don't care as much anymore about spiritual things and they don't care that they don't care. Like for me, that's, that's a scary place to be. And if, if that's you, if that's you, and I'm asking you, please wake up to that reality. So, so what causes apathy? I've already named some. It's disruption. It's loss. But, but there are other things like sin. right? And by, by sin, I mean unrepentant sin, sins that we just sort of go, well, this is just what I do. This is how it's going to be. I'm just going to live like this. I know the Bible might say something else about this, but this is just what I'm going to do. And, 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 and the Bible tells us that sin has a separating effect on us with God. Not from God's love, because that's impossible, right? But, but from, from the closeness of, of the, the intimacy and relationship with God. So the, the longer we stay in unrepentant sin, the, the further distance we're going to feel from God. And so, so David, the psalmist, the king, he writes in Psalms, he, he's, 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 he's sinned a great sin, a multifaceted sin where he, he takes another man's wife and then to sort of cover it up, her pregnancy, he has, he has her, her husband killed uh, in, in battle. And, and so the prophet confronts him about it and we read his response, his heartfelt emotional response in Psalm 51. And, and, and we can tell in verse 11 that he feels the distance growing between him and God. And so he says, cast me not away from your presence, God. Don't, don't let, he feels this, this, this lessening, he, but he, what he doesn't realize, it's God's not moved at all. So, so if you feel distance between you and God, God doesn't move from us. It's us that move away from God. And so he says in verse 10, he says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit with me. And then look at this, restore to me what? The joy 
the energy, the love, the passion of, of, of your salvation, of my salvation, and, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And I think that some of us, if, if it's sin that's the problem, we've got to pray this prayer. Amen, somebody? God, restore joy, restore passion, restore excitement. The, the next thing that can cause apathy is familiarity. So there's an old statement that says familiarity breeds contempt. Now, I think spiritually, I don't think that most of us have contempt with God. I think more familiarity also breeds boredom. And this is why good relationships, good marriages, they work at that because this is what happens in marriages and in relationships if you don't work at it. And, and, and so we, we, we can, we, we have, there's this psychological term called habituation, and it's this notion that stimuli comes to us, and, and when they first come to us, we go, oh, I got to do something about that. So moms, dads, when you had your first child, right, and you brought that baby home from the hospital, and he or she cried the first times, right, you would panic a little bit. You're like, ah, oh, run now, right? Come on, and if you were like me, when I brought no- Noelle home, I would be always put my finger under her nose to make sure there was breath coming out, right? Like when she was asleep, anybody, right? But the second child, it's like, eh, it'll be fine. I was the fourth child, everybody. It's like nothing, right? Like I love my parents. It's like, mom, broken arm, tape. Just put some tape on it. You'll be fine. Habituation, right? And, and we could get this way with God. What, where once struck us, when we'd hear a, a message about grace or about the goodness of God, we'd be like, oh, wow, I'm blown away at the mercy of God, the grace, the great lengths that Jesus goes to for my salvation. And we're, we're blown away by that. And over time, amazing grace is like so-so grace. You see what I'm saying? Where, where, where we've seen God do miracles in our lives for so long that he daily does miracles in our lives. And it's just like, eh. That's what he always does. Habituation. Another key factor in apathy is self-satisfaction. So Jesus is talking to some religious people in Luke chapter 18. And this is from the message. He told his next story to some who were what? Complacently pleased with themselves. Religious people who would say, I'm good, bro. I don't, I don't, I'm at a good level. I don't need to hear a message about like, examining my heart or searching my Like I, I'm good. And, and, and he's describing this to these people. And he's saying, I'm going to construct a story to, to pierce the heart, to get the attention of people who are complacently pleased with themselves. And what I've noticed, and this isn't always the case, and what I've noticed in my own life, is that oftentimes this self-satisfaction, this complacency sets in after a season where things are good financially, where, things, where the blessings of God, not just financially, but just in my life in general, have just been sustained over time. And I can just start to think, well, I must have done this. This must be because of me. So, so Moses comes to the people of Israel, and this is Deuteronomy 6, and God speaks to him and he says, Listen, they're about to, they're, they've been exiled. They've been, they've been slaves for 400 years. They're about to go into the promised land. He says, when the Lord your God brings you into, notice this word, brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you land with large flourishing cities that you didn't build, and then houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. So the same God who brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of sin, right, 
is the same God who brings them into this land of plenty and blessing. He says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out, out of the land of slavery. See, the danger of blessing and flourishing and promise is that we can begin to think that the more blessed we become, the easier it is for us to forget where those blessings came from. Right? The one who brought you out of the bondage, out of the pain, out of the troubles, like, is also the one who brings you into a land of plenty and, and, and that you are now enjoying. And like mama used to say, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. Not my mama, but somebody's mama said that. Can I get a witness from somebody? God's not going to take you out, right? This is the thing about blessings. Sometimes the blessings in life can kind of become curses. When we think we did for ourselves the good that we are experiencing in our lives. When we think that we have earned by our own, by our own efforts all the mercy and the blessing and the grace of God in our lives. And we don't see those blessings as the gift of God himself, because James says in chapter 1, verse 17, that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. That every good thing that happens in our life is the gift of God. And there's some danger there for getting where we came from and who brought us out of that into this place. And that can lead to all sorts of things, the least of which is not apathy, right? Have you forgotten where you came from? Have you forgotten how far and how good God has been in your life? If so, man... Think about that. Search your heart. And then the last one I want to bring to you is disappointment. This is the last thing. Disappointment can cause apathy. So in Exodus chapter 6, um, this is one of the great texts of the Old Testament. This is, to this day, Jewish people will have this text memorized because it contains the four I wills of God, the four big promises of God. And so he says, God says to Moses, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you. So that's one. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And then I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Four I wills of God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hands to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him. Or they could not listen to him because of their discouragement. And because of the harsh labor. What's happening is... 400 years has set in of disappointment and discouragement and harsh labor and slaves' mindset so that when the good news finally comes to them, they can't hear it because of how much discouragement and disappointment has been part of their lives. I think that many of us would say who are complacent or apathetic or both, some of us would say, honestly, Danny, man, the last few years have been so hard, so tough. I faced so much loss, so much disappointment, lost my job, lost my career, lost my business, lost people that I love, that I've grown honestly kind of numb. And, 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 and if I am apathetic, I, I, don't, I don't know how to get out. I'm in this fog. And, and I, can, I can relate to that. Uh, I said it a few weeks ago, but when I came into 2021 last year, that's the way I was. I just felt like overwhelmed and I couldn't, I didn't have good vision I wasn't feeling the way I should feel. And, and so I relate to that. So those, those are some causes of apathy. But there are others of us who would say, I'm apathetic, but it's not because of any of those other things. Honestly, it's because I've just grown lazy. 
right? In fact, some people have been out in the lobby in the last several months, and I would see them for the first time in a long time. Be like, hey, how you been, man? Everything good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I could have come. I've just been lazy. And I, and I would just die laughing for, because it was like, well, at least they're honest, right? Like, I, it was just more comfortable to stay at home in my jammies and, and, and just, you know, you know, eat a good breakfast and watch TV, a church, I mean, online, in, you know. And, and if you're watching at home, thank you. I, we, we get it. I, I, I promise you. But there's some folks who are like, I'm just lazy. Um, whatever the case, sin, disappointment, familiarity, self-satisfaction, whatever it is, I think it's just important that we get honest about that. So, so how do I regain passion for God, for the things of God, for the house of God, for, for the work of God? Whatever it is, how do I do that? I, I want to read two more texts, but I, I got I to give you some context. There's a guy named John uh, not John the Baptist, just so you know, John the Beloved. Um, he, wrote, he writes the Gospel of John and the letters, First and Second, Third John, and then the, the, the last book of our Bible, the Revelation. As he's getting older for his faith, um, he is punished and he is sent to a sort of penal colony on an island called Patmos. And there he receives from the Lord a vision um, just absolutely stunning in scope and grandeur. To, 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 it becomes the, the, the last book of our Bible called the Revelation. And in it, he is tasked in the earlier chapters, and especially chapters 2 and 3, with writing words from God to seven churches. The seven churches of Asia, we call them. Um, and, and to their, to their the, word is, the, the word is angel, but really the word is messenger or pastor or the leadership team. So he's writing these words that are harsh, in, in some ways, but relevant to you and I here. And so the first one is in chapter 2. He says, to the angel or to the pastor, the leadership of the church in Ephesus, which our book of Ephesians is that letter to them, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, walks among the seven golden lampstands. These are the words of Jesus, by the way. Jesus says, I know your deeds. And we'll see this again. Your hard work and your perseverance I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Seven things, seven good things that he's commending them for. Like, you guys have killed it in this way, but yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. In other words, listen, you're doing some really good things, and I, I, I admire the things that you're doing but you're doing them without any heart, without any love. You're doing it out of sort of, the, you're going through the motions. And the, 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 the reason you got into this business, the reason you started serving in that area, the reason that you were doing those things was out of love for God and love for people. And now you're just doing it because that's what you do. And he says, you have lost the passion and the heart, not only for me, but you've lost it for people. And so... so he says, then he goes on and he says, I want you to consider, I want you to take stock of, I want you to examine your heart, your life. And, and once you see how, how you used to be when you first started, and once you compare that, you're going to see how far you've fallen. So I want you to repent and I want you to do the things you did at first. So if I'm going to get my passion back, Jesus says to John, I want you to tell the people that you've got to consider, you've got to take stock of, and then you've got to go back and do the things that you did at first. 
right? So something to notice here is the word do. In other words, this isn't a passive thing. It's not, you don't just show up and go, if I show up enough times, it'll, it'll just sort of take, right? right? It's not that. There, there are real action steps to take here. But remember this as well. They were already doing good things. Yes or no? We just read of seven amazing things they were doing. So this isn't, a, this isn't a call to religious activity as a starting place. It could end up there, right? This is a call to getting back to the heart of it all. This isn't so much about doing more Christian activities as it is about paying attention, considering, examining the shape of my heart, of your heart, regaining that passion that I had for people, for God. Like, like I have to say, like, David, it's search me, God. Know me. Know my anxious heart. See if there's any wicked ways in me. And we have to evaluate ourselves honestly. Where am I at? Consider. Consider it, he says. In, in the next chapter of Revelation, God says to John, to another church, another pastor, and these are the harshest words we see in all of the seven churches, the, the church at Laodicea. And he says to them, I know your deeds. Same words. But he doesn't say they're doing good things. <laughs> He says, you're you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Harsh, right? But we can, can can you just understand this from a physical standpoint? Like if if a drink is supposed to be cold and I come in from the summertime working out in the yard, it's hot, and I grab for that big red because that's the the drinks of, that God drinks. Come on, everybody, right? And, and, And I toss it back and it's lukewarm. Ugh! Right? And if you say, well, I would spew any kind of big red out of my mouth. Get thee behind me, Satan. You know what I'm saying? I'm kidding. Right? If it's supposed to, it's supposed to, if it's, if you, if you want it cold, you want it cold. You don't want it lukewarm. Like if it's freezing outside, which it was this morning, and you go to grab a cup of coffee or hot chocolate, and, and you take a drink back and it's, it's room temp, yuck. You ever do this? It's like, ah, oh. Right? We understand this because room temp is not where you want to be. And, and that's the thing some of us need to get honest about. Spiritually, we're room temperature believers. We're the same spiritual temperature as the culture around us that we've been so immersed in this culture that we don't stand out from it in any measurable way. We're room temperature. And listen to me. Room temperature isn't going to change the world, everybody. It's not going to change the world. The people who are changing this world right now are, are not cold, comfortable, and sleepy. They are fired up. They are reaching and they are stretching themselves. And they are immersing themselves in the word of God and in the presence of God. Jesus didn't come down and and die a horrific death on a rugged cross and take crowns of thorns into his brow, take stripes on his back to heal us and do all that to save us from our sins so that we could grow up to be room temperature believers. He didn't do that for that, right? I'm going to settle back down now because I'm yelling and I don't want to yell, right? I grew up with yelling preachers and I don't want to do that to you today, right? Anyways... Let me make a couple of observations around this as I close. If spiritual apathy's temperature is cold, then the best I can say is get that cup closer to the fire. Does that make sense? 
right? Get it where it's going to get hot. And, and, and if there's a practice around here, I'm going to just challenge you to find some friends in faith that are fired up for Jesus. And if you don't have any friends in faith that are fired up for Jesus, become the kind of faith, friend in faith that is fired up about Jesus and pass that off to people around you. If spiritual apathy is best described as being too comfortable, then put yourselves in positions where you become righteously uncomfortable. Like if you say, Danny, I've grown up now, mature, I don't have to do this stuff anymore, or whatever it is, like like go back to the things you did at first, Jesus says to to, to the the churches at Ephesus and and Laodicea. Like so for instance, we do this 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 uh, this group called Freedom Groups. We we're launching them here in a few weeks and they're life-changing. And at the end of it, we do a freedom conference. We did the first one we've ever done this past November. So 74, 75 people were in here. And I was sitting in the back because mine was the last session. And I was just kind of watching. And I could tell people were really uncomfortable, right? They were like really uncomfortable. But then I noticed over the progression of the day and a half that we do this conference, that by the end of this thing, the people who were kind of rigid and like, what's going on? You know, what are we doing here? Like, we're like, yes, and fired up. And, and like, 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 like not they were comfortable, like in God's presence with God's power and God's, because freedom had come and they had had changes in their lives. For you that might be serving somewhere, for you, for you that might be going to a group that you've never gone to before. So, so, so if spiritual apathy is like falling asleep at the wheel while you're driving, and what do you do in those situations? When you start to get sleepy, what do you do? Maybe you roll down the window and let the wind blow, or maybe you, you slap yourself a couple of times. And, and, and I would just say that the Holy Spirit of God is described as the breath of God, the wind of God, all through from beginning to end. And maybe it's time to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit again, fresh and new. God. Would you pour out your spirit on me? God, would you let the, the fire of, of, of heaven come down and live inside? I mean, and so John the Baptist, when he's talking about what Jesus, the Messiah, is going to do, he says, I, can we get there real quick in Luke, uh, Luke 3? I baptize you with water, John says, but he is mightier than I is coming. The thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with what? With fire. And some of us just need God move again in my life. Move And if you've never experienced the manifest presence of God in your life, then I'm praying that you will. If it's been a long time, I'm praying that it will afresh and, and, and new. At the end of the day, you have, to, you have to do something. You can't just go, I hope it takes. You have to do something. The Christian faith is active. J- James says that, that faith without works is dead, Right? That there's something that happens, and, and whatever that is, you've got to do something. And then lastly, Revelation 2, verse 4, again, consider how far you've fallen. Then he says, repent. That's an old word that people are scared of. It feels harsh, like, ugh, repent. No, no, it's not harsh. It's just turning around. It's just turning around. I'm going this direction, the direction of flat tires and not making it happen. I'm going this direction. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to do something different. And repentance and return, the word return is used all throughout the Old Testament. The people would wander and they would do bad things and they would get lost and they would forget where God brought them from. And, and over and over again he would send a prophet and you can read about them all in the Old Testament. And their, 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 their common theme was return to me. Return to me. Return to me. Like I know, I know your deeds, I know you've done some good stuff, but I also know you've kind of wandered away. Return to me. To the joy and the passion and the excitement and the energy over and over again. 
the end of the, of, of the commentary toward, uh, to, to the church at Laodicea. I, I just want to read this because I don't have it here on the screen. This is what he says to the church at Laodicea. The one he just said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And he, and he blows them up. But at the end of that, he says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. And then he says these incredible words. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. Look at that. You see the intimacy? A meal. Like in, in, the old, in, in the Bible, a meal was one of the most intimate things that you could do. God is saying to the people of, of Life Point Church, the people who are at home, the people who may listen to this message again, it, like if you're a believer and you would say, I've grown a little bit cold, God is going, hey, listen, you need to wake up. I'm gonna knock on your door until you do. And if you'll just open it and return, I'll come in and I'll sit down with you. And together, you and I, we will... We, we will overcome apathy and complacency because I am Jesus over apathy, over doubt, over sickness, over shame, over unbelief, over, over all of the things that might come to you. I am Jesus, Lord, over all of it. And I just want to pray with you right now. Do, do you see the grace here, the grace of God in this text? Do you see it? That's what he's on offer here. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I know this isn't a fun message necessarily, God. I want to know that it's not always fun for us to hear this. But Lord, every now and then, God, I need it. I need it. I need a swift kick in the rear. I need a wake-up call. Whatever it is, I'm just praying, Lord, that you would speak to your people here in this room and people who are online or at home or wherever they're going to be seeing this or watching this some, at some point. God, you are, you, are, you are doing something new and you are doing something fresh and there is a revival coming because where, where sin and darkness does abound, the grace of God does much more abound, we learn from the Bible. And so you are about to pour out your spirit, God, and you're about to pour out uh, fire, God, and you are about to pour out blessings and grace and you're gonna revive the hearts of people. God, let it start with us. Let it start with me, Jesus. God, re- 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 reawaken me, God. Re- give me passion and, and, kindle and, and the spark, God. Blow on it, I pray, with your spirit, God, and let it come to life, God, and let me wake up, Lord. And, and may it be that, God, that the people who change the world, may it be us that are part of that group that changes the world, God, that sees your kingdom come, your will be done on earth and heaven. God, we want in on that. Let it be true of us. And if we need that wake-up call, wake us up, God. If we need whatever it is that we need, God, do it for us, I pray. Whatever the reasons are that we've gotten here, if, if, if some of us have, God, wake us up. Remind us of the appointments and the calling and the gift of God and the spiritual gifts and the promptings that you've given us. Give us a, them again, I pray. And use us, I pray, for your name, for your fame, for your kingdom come, for your will be done, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says a good amen. Amen. Come on, can you give it up for Jesus? Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.